as you all know, I pride myself on being a podcast where you can come after a confusing moment in politics and seek clarity. And it is in all honesty that I let you know today on this particular subject, that being the impeachment hearing testimony of Gordon Sondland, I got nothing. (laughs) I have no idea where we're going at all. Initially, watching his opening statement, his questioning by the Democrats, and his 45-minute questioning by the Republicans, I kind of thought everybody got a little something to play with. In a lot of ways, it felt like a win-win to me. Democrats get confirmation that the highest levels of the State Department and the White House were looped in on Sondland's activities in Ukraine. Everyone was in the loop. Republicans got a super chesty pushback on the mega shady irregular channels narrative. The suggestion that we were engaged in some irregular or rogue diplomacy is absolutely false. The Democrats get someone with first-hand knowledge saying that investigations were tied to a White House meeting. But as of September 9th, you understood, did you not, that President Trump, either himself or through his agents, required that President Zelensky make a public announcement of the two investigations that President Trump cared about in order to get both the White House meeting and to release the security assistance. Is that correct? I believe that is correct. Republicans get the person with first-hand knowledge saying he is unaware that the aid was ever tied to the ask and that he never heard the words Biden mentioned. Correct? Well, the statement, uh, as, as I recall, would have mentioned the 2016 election slash DNC server and Burisma. Okay. It would not have mentioned the Bidens. Democrats get someone saying that he can put two and two together, realizing that the aid was indeed tied to a quid pro quo, which I guess is back. Take a hike, bribery. President Trump never told me directly that the aid was conditioned on the meetings. The only thing we got directly from Giuliani was that the Burisma in 2016 elections were conditioned on the White House meeting. The aid was my own personal, uh, you know, guess based again on your analogy, two plus two equals four. Republicans get Sondland asking Donald Trump directly and being told the exact opposite. But I believe I just asked him an open-ended question, Mr. Chairman, what do you want from Ukraine? I keep hearing all these different ideas and theories and this and that, what do you want? And it was a very short, abrupt conversation. He was not in a good mood. And he just said, I want nothing. I want nothing. I want no quid pro quo. Tell Zelensky to do the right thing. Democrats get him confirming the call in the restaurant where Trump was asking about investigations. And then on July 26th, you confirm you did indeed have the conversation with President Trump from a restaurant in Kiev that David Holmes testified about last week. Is that right? Republicans get him pushing back on key details. Uh, The only part of Mr. Holmes' uh, recounting that I take exception with is I do not recall mentioning the Bidens. That did not enter my mind. It was Burisma in 2016 elections. You have no reason to believe that Mr. Holmes would make that up if that's what he recalls you saying? You have no reason to question that, do you? I, I, I don't recall saying Biden. I never recall saying Biden. And, of course, everybody got mentions of ASAP Rocky again. I think we primarily discussed ASAP Rocky. And again. Yeah, what refreshed my recollection was when he, when he uh, uh, mentioned ASAP Rocky, then all of a sudden okay. it came back to me. And again, I legitimately assume that by the time that the Republicans started questioning Sondland, they would take the time to hammer in the points that favored them and move on. If the Democrats want to make Gordon Sondland their hero, then let them. This isn't a game of tag. It's impeachment. And based on what I heard, everything that the Democrats could use Sondland to throw at them, they had a yes and. But then at the end 
of the Republican time, they started trashing Sondland's reputation and sullying him up as a witness because he didn't take notes. Guys, I don't know where this goes. And this is the first time during this or the Mueller investigation that I really have had any kind of doubt. My instinct is to say that the House GOP will stay together and this continues on the path that it was. But the Republicans are in a very odd defensive strategy right now. The Democrats can afford to jump from logic line to logic line because their job in this is to cause chaos. They need to to attempt the impossible, impeaching and removing a sitting president in his first term. The GOP, on the other hand, needs to defend the fort. And this is the first time where I've had doubts that they are on the same page on how to do it. At the pleasure of those that support us at TakePoliticsSeriously.com, it is my solemn honor to say that PX3 begins Welcome, 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 everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast for November 20th, 2019. We have all the info for you, a preview of tonight's debate. We have news on Elizabeth Warren and Medicare for All, a campaign undertaker sighting, and a visit from my mother talking all about uh, Pete's big night tonight during the debate and whether or not she will learn that high hopes dance that is going around on the internet. If you haven't seen it, just look it up. But I'm going to ask my mom, as a Mayor Pete supporter, whether or not she's going to learn the high hopes dance. And that's coming up and much more. All right. One more thing about Sondland. This is from John Harwood of CNBC and the Speakeasy podcast sharing a series of reactions he's gotten from Republican lawmakers, aides, and strategists to this question posed on background. Do you think the Sondland testimony changes GOP willingness to defend Trump in any material way? And that would account for House or Senate or Republican voters. Here's the first one. Materially, no. Not a moral or personal judgment, but I don't believe this changes the GOP case. Goes under the category of seeding ground. Where this does lead is bye-bye Giuliani. GOP quietly wants and knows it must happen to move beyond this. Popular opinion is unchanged. The second strategist, not in any way that helps the Democrats. They had a window for messaging and it closed about three weeks ago. The numbers are all moving in the other way now. Watch Fox News and see what most Republicans are hearing tonight. Uh, Strategist three, based only on my long history of the House and everything I've seen over the last three months, hard no. Aid one, I promise you that I haven't seen more than 30 seconds of that all week. Strategist four, honestly, I don't think so. I thought it could until he said, no one told me the aid was tied to anything. I was presuming it was. He just contradicted all of his opening statement. Lawmaker one, up until today, uh, and I know so far from today, I don't see impeachment. And that is what I even hear from even more moderate Republicans. We still have more testimony coming, as you know. Uh, do I think he should have been more careful with his words? Yes, I do. Lawmaker two, I think Sondland was a net negative for POTUS, but his allies are not uh, are not devastated. No, uh, from another strategist. I mean, look, and this goes on and on and on. I genuinely believe that we are still in the same position that we were in yesterday. What really shocked me was that the Republicans couldn't understand that this was coming. Either Sondland is just somebody that is out there. I mean, if I were the Republicans, I would say, I dare you. I dare you, Democrats. Because inherently within the Sondland testimony is him eroding some of the Taylor testimony, some of the Vindman testimony from earlier in the week. Everybody who said that there was a regular channel and then there was an irregular channel. Sondland says, you're lying. 
you're either out of the loop, which therefore disqualifies their knowledge, or you're out and out misrepresenting the facts. So if I were the Republicans, I would be thrilled if, if, if Sondland became the new hero. Because everybody else that's been getting standing ovations after their testimonies would be, in essence, burnt for the mega rich hotelier who bought his way into an ambassadorship. That would seem to me to be a better situation than having all of the uniformed career military and State Department people come up and solemnly one by one talk about how the fabric of America is eroding. And I say that strategically on the flip side for the Democrats too. Just be careful on how close they want to tie themselves to Sondland. Because yeah, he had some explosive things to say, but as the dust starts to settle, I do think that there's ammunition on both sides. They have new weapons to hit each other with. For the president of the United States, Donald Trump's is the fact that Sondland on the record quoted what he had to say. We played it in the intro, but Donald Trump felt it was so strong that he decided to write it in comically large font on official White House letterhead. I want nothing. This is a picture from, from behind the president, him holding his notepad, very thick marker used to write this memo, and I'm going to read it verbatim. I want nothing. I want nothing. I want no quid pro quo. Tell Zelensky to do the right thing. This is the final word from the president of the United States. <laughs> I, I, you know, I got a, a ton of crap on Twitter for saying this, but I, I do not think this is a slam dunk for the Democrats. I just don't. It's certainly a possible breaking point for the Republicans. And we'll see whether or not they want to do it. But for anybody who's like, oh, this is devastating. How can they go forward? How can they protect the president after this? Remember that what you are asking for the Republican members of the House and Senate to do is to cripple their party for eight to 12 years. And it starts today. Today for the next 12 years. Effectively, the majority of their careers will be over. They will not have a Republican president. That's what you're asking. And I know all the liberal listeners are like, duh, exactly. Can you please shoot yourself so you're down for eight to 12 years? But just, just know that. And that's the final word from the author of Politics, Politics, Politics. Politics. All right. We have a debate tonight. I'm going to try to get this out. I'm going to get this out with like an hour until the debate. So no one's going to listen to this before the debate. So I will keep my predictions short and sweet. Here's the biggest one. Mayor Pete is going to get gang beat tonight. Here are the people that will go after Mayor Pete. Elizabeth Warren, who has been uh, uh, sparring on a low-key level with Mayor Pete for the past few weeks. Joe Biden, who basically is watching his moderate lane be usurped by a younger version of somebody singing his same song. Kamala Harris, whose campaign is falling apart. Uh, I swear to God, uh, Peter Parker at the end of Avengers Endgame had more structural integrity than the Kamala Harris campaign does right now. I don't feel so good. Mr. Stark should be her new campaign slogan replacing for the people. She's going to go after Mayor Pete. That's personal beef after Mayor Pete said that Iowa is coming down to a Pete versus Warren battle. I mean, really the only person, I mean, I get Bernie could, but Bernie's not really combative. The, the question now also becomes, does Bernie distance himself from Warren any further? We have certainly seen harder lines in the sand. Bernie and Warren have differences on some of the key things that have bound them before, chiefly Medicare for all. Does Bernie take the opportunity to highlight those? I would look for that. Also, I'm going to keep an eye on two candidates in specific. People that have not qualified for the next debate, the December debate. I'm looking at Andrew Yang. 
He's recently trying to diversify his image beyond just the UBI guy with mixed results. Sometimes he's the super fun meme guy taking pictures in a grow house. Sometimes he's stumbling uh, like he did in the Breakfast Club interview that we highlighted. I'm looking at Tulsi Gabbard, who was dead. Absolute roadkill until the magic healing hands of the star maker, Hillary Clinton, uh, uh, waved upon her the necromancy of the dark magic that the, only the star maker can conjure absolutely puts her back in the game. She's going to be on the stage here. And now she looks likely to qualify for this next debate in December, which has a higher polling threshold. Both Yang and Gabbard need one poll. This also starts to look like the end of the road for Cory Booker. Cory Booker has traditionally done very well in these debates, but they have not particularly translated to any kind of greater polling numbers for, for him or any real momentum. So here's my question. Does he change things up? He has been Mr. Positive Guy. Let's all hold our hands and teach the world to sing. But is it about time for him to start bludgeoning people? Is it time for him to switch up his dynamic any? Because if he doesn't, he ain't going to make this December stage. And if he doesn't make this December stage, then it's probably curtains for him. But Pete is the story. And if Pete is the story, then we got to bring in the number one Pete Judge supporter that we have on our roster of available pundits. Joining me now our regular election correspondent and my mother, Gloria Young. How are you doing, Mom? Um, great. Thank you for having me. I had to have you on because this is our, our debate preview episode. Uh, there is going to be a big debate tonight. And the tonight. man of the hour is somebody that, honestly, the first person I ever spoke to in person, and because I live in the very progressive bay area i don't know if i'm gonna get above uh, uh you know my 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 hand uh my, my left hand in terms of counting the number of mayor pete supporters i'm gonna run into but you were the right. first you were very early on mayor pete mayor pete is having a gigantic moment in the sun right now so i needed to discuss this phenomenon with you we'll start mm -hmm. here you are still a mayor pete supporter uh, absolutely Absolutely. Uh, what do you think of the nickname Pete Nicks? Oh, I haven't heard that. But What's well, because we invented it here on the show? Catchy. You like Pete Nicks? I, <laughs> I think that's a little catchy. Yeah. This was better yeah. than one of the rough draft uh, uh, nicknames that our our frequent guest Andrew Heaton came up with, which was the uh, Pedos. Uh, I don't like pedos as much. <laughs> no, but, I don't think Pete, anyone would. It's a Nicks. terrible nickname. I can't believe I repeated it. Pete Nicks will um, will definitely um, it, it'll ring a bell with the the crowd that's basically my age. You know, the sixty year olds because they kind of uh, ring back to hippie days of the sixties. Yeah. So, uh, again, just for folks who are just tuning in here, I know we get new listeners all the time with the election gearing up. You are a, uh, a over 50 voter in Florida. You are a key demographic, mm -hmm. not only for the primaries, but also for the general election. Uh, just to summarize, now that you've had a few months to see everybody sort of play out, uh, uh, why is Pete your pick? Well, as I've been saying all along, I mean, number one, the man just makes, he's so logical. He has so much common sense. When he speaks, he makes, he, he just makes sense. I like the fact that he's younger. I truly believe we need a, a younger generation to start to step up and, and take control in our government. And, um, you know, the guy just, to me, is the right pick all the way around. So when you say he makes sense, is that a direct shot at Joe Biden, who very often speaks and slurs his way through his answers? <laughs> 
unfortunately, yes. I mean, uh, Joe Biden, nice man, but um, he's not sharp anymore. And that's that's important. That's a very important piece. I mean, as a matter of fact, I saw something the other day where, you know, you have to be the minimum age of 35 to be able to run for president. But I also think it's time that they pass a maximum age. You know, really? I don't so that, really that's, think that's, that anyone that's kind over of a, 70 should be should be running, should be president. That's kind of a controversial thing because I, I've you've heard that mentioned a lot, but but very rarely in your cohort specifically. Usually folks who get a little older are like, ah, the, the, the more you can sniff 70, the less you're like, let's stop this whole 70 year olds can't do stuff uh, chatter. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, your your own definition of, of what's old uh, continues to change as you age. But I see the, the difference between the, the clarity and the sharpness um, of the, the candidates that are older versus the younger ones, you know, even 50 and younger. It, it just makes a big difference. And I, I think that you need, you know, the amount of stress that a president goes through they need to be at the top of their game uh who would be your second and third choice oh well you know i know that uh that warren is is you know she's kind of gaining in popularity although she's been wavering i saw what she did now with the medicare for all kind of stepping back I mean, again, I which am, does, am going to vote for whatever Democrat. But, sure. Yeah, but, but um, that, that, that does put her more in line with Mayor Pete. If, because Mayor Pete is not for Medicare for All he, in the same way that Warren he, and Bernie exactly. are. He wants to give everybody a choice. And I think that is definitely the right way to go. There's no question about that. Um, you know, Bernie, again, I love him, but he's really old. <laughs> yeah. And Elizabeth Warren, she's what, 71? Yeah. Um, you know, she appears to be real sharp, but uh, you know, we'll see. Now, Bloomberg, you asked me about him I texted coming you, yeah. the, coming into the mix. Yeah. Um, I heard an interview with Bloomberg many months ago and I loved what he said and I thought he made a tremendous amount of sense. And um, but I haven't heard anything recently. And I think him getting into the game now is a little late. Yes. But, you know, he could potentially become he could potentially become a, a good possibility for me. So you, you do realize but, and this I want to show everybody right now my ruthless journalistic sensibilities that I'm going to I'm going to absolutely trap my own mother in her in her logic. Right. Everyone you mentioned, Bloomberg is no. Everyone you mentioned in your (laughs) second and third choice options are all over seventy, and Bloomberg is only months younger than Joe Biden. Oh, he is seventy-seven years old. Oh no! Well, that's see, and that's because shame on me because I have not really researched Bloomberg. Uh, I didn't know he was that old. (laughs) <laughs> and I know that Bernie and, and Elizabeth Warren, I know that. I know they're all over 70. Um, I did not know that Bloomberg was that old. That blows me away. Although he's well, very he's very short, so I think he hides it a little better. <laughs> well, that's, that's disappointing. Then it seems like, um, oh, geez, who would be my other <laughs> second or third well, le- choice? Looking, I could probably looking tell out- you that. Yeah. After tonight's debate. So, I mean, you have your Kamala Harris's, your Cory Booker's. The, the, those are the the younger Amy Klobuchar. Have you have you thought about Amy Klobuchar? Yeah, I like Amy Klobuchar. And I also think Tulsi Gabbard has, you know, she's got some potential. Um, but I think she's a little ahead of her time. And Amy Klobuchar, there's something about her that, I just don't get the warm and fuzzies with her for some reason. You know, there, there's she's rumors that she's that she's there's rumors that she's a real capital B. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's maybe that's what I sense about her. <laughs> you can you can smell of, you can smell the B coming off her. I can smell it. Yeah, <laughs> there's just something about her that just doesn't sit right. I I don't know why. 
So uh, I guess if I really had to choose, uh, you know, and I, I like Cory Booker, but yeah. um, I don't feel like he has the, the real popularity behind him. But, you know, the other thing is, is Mayor Pete's just running an incredible campaign. I mean, anytime and, that you can go from the mayor of a of a relatively small town to uh, uh, quite possibly unknown, the, the favorite right? of tonight's totally debate. Unknown. I mean, right now he's leading the Real Clear Politics average in Iowa. He is surging in New Hampshire. In my opinion, uh, Iowa's a must-have state for him. I don't think he can go far yeah. without winning Iowa. And right now... He's doing it. So uh, before, yeah. before we get into the debate tonight, one last mm-hmm. general question. Mm-hmm. You are very concerned, as is the vast majority of the Democratic Party, about electability. No matter mm-hmm. what, if if all of a sudden polls came out that ham sandwich polled at 90% to beat Trump, I think you would start mm-hmm. considering ham sandwich. Ham sandwich would, would rank above Bloomberg. So, yes. Uh, <laughs> Do you fear that Mayor Pete is too gay to be electable? Well, there is no question about that with the amount of um, prejudice that has seemed to, you know, rise to the surface. And and uh, it seems to be like everyone who's kept those feelings in the closet for so long are... Yeah just exposing their real true feelings all over the place these days. There's no doubt about that, that I, I do, that does concern me. It doesn't concern me personally. I have, do not care whatsoever anyone's sexual preference as long as they can get the job done. But I do believe um, that it will rub some people the wrong way. But yet it is not enough to push you off your support of Mayor Pete because you do believe he is electable. Uh, uh, he's electable in my eyes and in my opinion. Yeah, but that, but 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 your 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 me for the rest of the yeah your the your vote. your general worldview is that he could be you could see a world where he is elected president. Uh, I could absolutely yes. yes, and I think it's time. I really do. I mean, I was, you know, I, yeah. I I think honestly it was time for us to elect a woman president, and by all means, it's time for us to elect a, a gay president. It I, it's it doesn't matter. It's just all about qualifications and the ability to do the job. I was thinking last night about like, all right, so degree of difficulty. What would be harder from this point if you look at Obama in two thousand and eight? pre-Iowa, and mm-hmm. then Mayor Pete pre-Iowa in 2019. And I I was like, you know, I think Mayor Pete might have a slightly harder, the first gay president might have a slightly harder uh, uh, road to hoe than the first black president, black president. Because there's not as many people who are secretly black and very conflicted right. about it. <laughs> Right, That's like a there's very good point. there's a there there very are many good. many 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 born people who worry that their entire world and marriage and relationship with their children and job and faith would implode if it were revealed that they were secretly gay in a way that is right. not secretly black. Right, right. Actually, that's a very good analogy, and um, you know, as as much as you know, as much as it was an incredibly challenging road for Obama uh, and nobody really thought that it would happen he did it and um well and, and this you know, is yeah this this is another uh, thing is is it's just it's always about the big narrative for the democrats democrats love the big story and when i see the articles like i'm seeing today about is america ready for a gay president then i'm like mm-hmm. that's it like you if you're mayor pete these are the articles and of course he's going to dismiss them this is not an issue this is not an issue keep them coming keep them coming no absolutely this is about the this is about the economy this is about uh safety this is about faith but also keep these gay articles coming because they're like really yeah. good for the like we feel yeah. important let's laminate the newspaper crowd yeah no i mean you know and i think that he was he was obviously very prepared to um 
you know, to, to face this battle, you know, inevitably he knew he was going to have to answer questions about it. And, um, you know, honestly, I think he's just kind of for him. I think he's just kind of let it roll off and like, look, I am who I am. Like I've heard him say, you don't have a problem with me. You have a problem with my maker. And, you know, I mean, his, I've seen, I get emails from the campaign all the time, the first husband and, you know, their dogs and, you know, they love taking pictures of those dogs, huh? Yeah. I mean, that, as a matter of fact, the, the Pete store even has a, a t-shirt. I can't remember exactly what it said, but it's something like promoting his, his husband, Jason. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, you know, there's no question about it. There are a, a certainly a lot of people that will be turned off by, by this fact, yeah. but it doesn't bother me, and I'm hoping that there will be many other people that can look past that and say, look, it doesn't matter. The man is 110% qualified for the job. That's what matters. All right, so you're going to so, be watching the debate tonight, right? I I will, probably for an hour or so. You know that your boy is going to get punched in the face by, like, seven different people at the same time. Of course like, he is. He's going to be the guy. He he's going to be the man the in the middle. Runner now. Yeah. yeah. He's going to be okay. So let me ask you this, because this there there is a rich tradition of the big narrative Democrat being born like the Phoenix rising from the ashes in Iowa. But there is also a rich history of Iowa kind of flirting with candidates, the candidates not being able to meet the moment and them kind of shuffling off by the time that the caucus is actually happening. So. If Mayor Pete does a terrible job tonight, let's say disaster scenario, he's stumbling over his words, he's getting dunked on by everybody, do you think that that damages his electability argument? Oh, you know, I I don't know. I mean, how many more debates are there going to be? I mean, everybody some, 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 somewhere between and 50 and 170,000. Yeah, I mean, it to me, this is just one more in the mix. I can't see him. He is going to go in prepared. He is he's sharp enough. He knows his stuff. I think he's going to be able to handle anything that they throw at him tonight. And he knows he's going to be the target. Yeah. So I just think he's going to be able to manage it. And um, I still believe even if he gets, you know, others ruffled a little bit that he's still going to walk away with you know the the a, a good positive feeling i mean i, I just I, I just have confidence in him i i i don't know how else to, to say it i yeah. just think the man is is um he's worthy of you know he's worthy of attention and he's worthy of people's votes i Look, I've been donating to his campaign. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've never done that. You've never donated to a political campaign before, but you are you are giving I, to the Mayor Pete campaign. I am definitely, I have given quite a bit already to his campaign. Well, I mean, you know, $3 here, $3 sure, here, yeah, but I mean, yeah, I've yeah. been giving consistently You've been chipping, because chipping. I believe in him. All right. Well, this is the big question. I sent you some video documentation to review for our conversation <laughs> today. And they yes. are of the new internet phenomenon, the choreographed dance that Mayor Pete supporters are doing to the song by Panic at the Disco, High right. Hopes. High Hopes. If you can uh, <laughs> just describe for those who have not seen the videos, describe the videos for them. Um, it's, it's absolutely awesome. It's a group of people with their hands in the air and they're kind of singing along and I just love it. I, I want to learn it myself. No! And I'd, be, uh, I'd be happy to do the dance no! for him. No, that was my follow up and there was a correct and incorrect answer. You're telling me, <laughs> you're telling me that you will learn the Mayor Pete High Hope stance? 
It doesn't look that complicated, so I could probably handle it. Oh, you know, I'm not no. a big dancer, but yeah, I could probably handle it. This might be our last <laughs> conversation with Gloria Young on the Politics, Politics, Politics <laughs> podcast. Although I will say this, considering how many times I've gone out of my way to, to deliberately embarrass you in public, this would be your <laughs> final revenge. And it would be greater and, and more costly than I could have ever imagined growing up. <laughs> No, I thought it was great. I thought it was hilarious. And, you know, something else. Look, I believe that the fact that he is running such a solid campaign and he's got such a great team of people under him working hard. They all believe in him. This is another sign of the man being a great leader. When you're a good leader, you build a strong team. Everybody knows where they stand and they work hard for you. And I believe that this is just one more sign of how capable and competent this man could be as president. Uh, one of the other, we will ask, this is the only question I'm going to ask you about another candidate other than the the ranking your, your second and third choices. But uh, Andrew Yang has uh, come out very, very hard for legalizing, not just decriminalizing marijuana, Marijuana. Where, where mm -hmm. are you on this issue? Um, well, I, he, he's talking about legalizing it at a federal level. Yeah. Okay. Um, I would certainly favor that. I think it should be. I think it should be legal on a federal level. It would just, I don't know. It makes sense. Like, I mean, after well, like, like the, the fact that we already have inconsistent policy throughout the country, so. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's a little bit crazy. And, um, you know, I, I just think back of how opposed people were to legalizing alcohol. And, you know, look, today it's, so, it's such a commonly accepted thing. Nobody questions it anymore, right? Oh, actually, so, you, you, you want to yeah. know what? Hold on. I'm looking at the website marijuanamoment.net. But apparently, okay. Mayor Pete, uh, uh, on his website, at least according to this, uh, he's for eliminating incarceration for drug possession, reduce sentences for other drug offenses, and apply those reductions retroactively, legalizing marijuana and expunging past convictions. Uh, how would you describe amongst your peers this kind of argument is heard? Because that's the reason why I mean, Joe Biden came out today and said he's not in favor, or, or this week, and said he's not in favor of legalizing it because it's a gateway drug. Um, the Surgeon General still has very uh, a very harsh view of marijuana and and the reason why that is an electorally viable position to take are because of a lot of over 50 voters that still just don't cotton to weed well that really surprises me because the old over 50 voters are all um you know from the 60s and 70s where you know drug use became so commonplace everyone was doing it um i I I just see no reason why uh, marijuana should not be legalized. Yeah. I um I just don't I don't understand what the big deal is. There are so many other things that uh are worse and um you know cigarettes are 10 times worse than marijuana. So Exactly. That's my opinion. I love the I, fact I'm that really that's a legit talking point now. They're not following it. I love the point <laughs> that like things that were said immediately upon exhaling a gigantic bong rip are now competent presidential policies. That it just, <laughs> you know, cigarettes are much worse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mo. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us uh, uh, again. We are. We are keeping track. So right now, you have been steadfast. From our first interview, you have been steadfast that you are a Mayor Pete supporter. Uh, uh, and that is uh, that is how we head into this crucial debate in Atlanta, Next Georgia. debate. Yep. Yep. Right. I'll, uh, um, and, and I'll be interested to see how he does. And go ahead, so. everybody, at Glowbug Young, if you want to uh, heap praise uh, or criticism. Because... <laughs> Uh, uh, you can <laughs> criticize my mom on Twitter at Glowbug Young. <laughs> By the way, did you know this was on the jury podcast yesterday? But uh, your grandson, 
my my nephew Jackson mm-hmm. does the introduction yeah. for my jury podcast so people can go to the Patreon. And somebody right. criticized his pronunciation of one of the words on in an email. So uh, the, the the young family under direct criticism from all fronts. So please feel free to criticize my mom as well at Glowbug Young. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for that. I'll I'll make sure to. Criticism tomorrow on my Twitter feed. Yeah, just go go look for it. All the people that hate Pete uh, will will just be taking gigantic poops on you on the internet. It'll be great. Uh, thank you, Mom. All right. Well, like everything else, we have way too many choices in life today. We should only have three choices. It wouldn't be so difficult. So. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly used to have a game where I would uh, uh, curse so loud in public that I would bet my friends. If, if my mom was taking my friends out uh, uh, somewhere, I would make a bet with them that I could get my mom to punch me. And, and this happened once <laughs> in a, uh, a, a parent. It was like high school, right? So uh, a parents came in to uh, meet the teachers and stuff like that. It was like like the like teenager version, mid teens version of like, you know, parent teacher day or whatever. So it was like 15 minutes in each class. We would like go as if it were a regular day. And in between classes, I was walking with a couple friends of mine because we had those two classes together. I'm like, oh, I bet you in between here and our next class, I can get my mom to punch me. And they're like, okay, sure. So I just started cursing really loud, like inappropriately loud. And she punched me in the arm. And so now she's going to get me back. This is what happens. This is what happens to me. Because now I'm going to, this is going to end with her doing the stupid Mayor Pete dance on the internet. I just know it. I know it. And I'm going to have to be that guy who has his mom doing the Mayor Pete dance on the internet. All right. Uh, If you want to support such... uh, top-notch political journalism, then you can head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. And guys, seriously, if you have been on the fence, if you've been thinking about it, now is about the time that you're going to want to get on the PX3 Patreon train because I just budgeted out how we're going to cover the primaries. And here's the schedule so far. Thankfully, there are some there are some favorable states for me to cover. Looks like I'll be doing the following. Going to Des Moines for Iowa. I will be there for the caucus. I'm going to skip New Hampshire, go to Nevada. So I'll be in Vegas for that caucus. Not going to do South Carolina. I'll be back in... California, obviously I live here. That is a Super Tuesday state now, so I'll be covering uh, the Super Tuesday shenanigans from our home base here. And then the next major state that I think is really going to matter, this could really headshot some candidates, is in Florida. And I will go down to Orlando, covering that I-4 corridor for a couple days down there. Obviously, I am not a part of a network, I have no sponsors. I am literally relying on you guys. So however you do it, being it's spreading the word, letting your friends know that this is a great podcast, that boosts the numbers. Maybe we take on a a, a sponsor as we get into this and it gets a little bit more expensive. I think I can do the whole thing for about $4,000, by the way. That is traveling to four different states and a fourth of that is just in hotel (laughs) in Iowa. Uh, everywhere else, I'm I'm going to have a friendly place to stay. But you can spread the word on this, or you can come on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. If you're at the $3 level, that means that you get two bonus episodes a week. We are going to be at, uh, the, that's four episodes each and every week. You get one on Monday, one on Thursday. Uh, that goes to a private RSS feed. You just enter it into your podcatcher. Bada bing, bada boom, you're done. Now is the time. If you're thinking about it, maybe you want to sign a friend of yours up for a holiday gift. Man, Patreon should have that. 
just go ahead, figure it out. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who already does. If you already support, then you don't do anything. I mean, sure, tell your friends if you want. Uh, uh, but that's the plan. I want to go on the road, and I want to be creating the kind of coverage that you guys want. TakePoliticsSeriously.com Also, free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com And next week, in this feed... You will get, PX3 listeners will get the first episode of my brand new historical political series, Raise the Dead, all about the 1960 election and how much it mirrors the 2016 election that we just witnessed. I'm extraordinarily proud of it. I am burning the candle at both ends trying to cover this impeachment and these debates and finish these Raise the Dead episodes. Uh, but I want to thank all of you guys who have been excited. When I did the survey of what you liked about this show, three things were were at the top. Immediate reaction, deep dives on issues, and if I were to expand, the number one thing was a historical series. I've done it for you. And the first episode, before it even gets its own RSS feed, comes to you Next Tuesday, uh, that is the 26th. All right, enough plugging. Politics! And that about wraps it up for our show today. I want to thank my mom. Wrong! What? I mean, this is normally where we, you know, now that we're doing a different show, you know, we just end the show right now. Wrong! No, I mean, come on. We, we, we're, we're a very serious political show. We do serious political stuff now. We can do these old gimmicks. And no matter how many emails I get about how much I miss the old PX3, we're not doing this. Wrong! Okay, fine. Hey, the Wayne train is still pulling into the station. Wrong! Mm, or should I say gong? Nah, I didn't deserve the campaign undertaker. Wayne Messam. <laughs> you know, I think after Mayor Pete got in, he thought, oh, mayors are, are, are hot. I should get into this race. Well, the mayor of Miramar, Florida, no longer running for the leader of the free world. He never made a debate stage, including the one in Miami, just south of Miramar. So to the dearly departed, Wayne Messam, I say, cool, man. Great job. Well, frontrunner Elizabeth Warren is absolutely clear on how she will apply Medicare for all. Wrong! This was a real head-scratcher. Over the weekend, Elizabeth Warren puts out her plan on how she will phase in Medicare for All. And in classic Elizabeth Warren overthinking it fashion, she announces that she will not be doing it in her first 100 days. Rather, she will bet that she can still do Medicare for All after the midterms, after she's elected. If I need to remind you what happens in the first midterm election after a new president comes in, they normally get slaughtered. And by announcing that now, you are effectively writing the playbook for all the Republicans. They are going to run against you on the idea that Elizabeth Warren is, 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 is going to do Medicare for all. So you're slaughtering your own majorities in the Senate and the House. Oh, man, she is just so bad the more she thinks about stuff. Just initial, five seconds. That's all you get, Elizabeth. Hey, famed Watchmen author and noted crazy pants, Alan Moore isn't going to vote in the upcoming UK elections. Wrong! Yes, he might be a chaos magician and somebody who wants nothing to do with the new Watchmen show on HBO. But he is going to be a Labour voter this time after only voting once in the past 40 years. 
If you have not kept up with the work of Alan Moore, uh, please do yourself a favor and read The Watchmen. And then let me know whether or not you like the show. I have very strong feelings. But this is certainly going to be, I guess, the only reason why I put this in a politics podcast is to say this is going to be a very pivotal election. I, I, I assume, knowing nothing about British politics, that we will have a high turnout for this, quite possibly, the last vote before Brexit. And finally, Rudy Giuliani and Gordon Sondland are best friends. Wrong! Yeah, Sondland definitely threw Rudy under the bus and set the stage for the GOP to throw Rudy under the bus. But now, Rudy is not pleased. Rudy is currently very upset with the Republican uh, uh, counselor who says um and ah more than I do on this show, and that's saying something for apparently taking Democratic talking points and asking Sondland about it, but also is furious with Sondland for uh, putting Rudy out on an island like he did during his testimony. I have a feeling that we are about at the cutting off point of Trump and Rudy. Politics! All right, for real this time, I want to thank everybody who supports this podcast up to and including our Titanic $10 tier at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Adam, Jonathan, D-Laser, Andy, Paul, Mike, and Brad, if you want to be among the illustrious names read at the end of this show, then head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Again, you can get my takes five days a week in your email Free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. Next week, Raise the Dead, coming at you. Email me, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. And you can follow me at Justin R. Young everywhere. Okay, that's it. Uh, Until next time, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying, politics has three names. And there are some shows that talk about politics. Others that talk about politics and still more that talk about politics, but this is the only show that talks about all three. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>